And I was installing Google Analytics for customers of me. I was freelancer at the time. And yeah, I, I needed to install the Google Analytics script for them because I was building websites. I was a front-end developer or full stack. And it didn't really feel right to, to add that little script every time because I knew it was sending all the data to Google Analytics and to Google Google's ad networks. I was like, yeah, it doesn't feel right. So I said something about it to my girlfriend and she said like yeah you always build your own stuff so why don't you build something for this and I was like well that's actually a really good idea I'm Adrian van Rossum and I'm the founder of Simple Analytics This is Code Story a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries like six months moonlighting there's nothing on the back end who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labbart, and today, how Adrian Van Rossum built a solid competitor to Google Analytics, bent towards, you guessed it, privacy. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Adrian Van Rossum is a tech guy, even at home. He likes to tinker with home automation, like turning on and off the lights, which his girlfriend doesn't like the experiments at times. Outside of tech, he does kite surfing and travels around the world. He really enjoys Thailand, specifically the food there, as he's a vegetarian. For several years, Adrian was a freelancer. Each time he built an application for his clients, he did the usual song and dance with Google Analytics. He copied and pasted the script. This didn't feel right, and his girlfriend prompted him to build his own solution. So, he did. This is the creation story of Simple Analytics. So what we do at Simple Analytics, we basically are a competitor of Google Analytics. And there's a few things that I don't really like about Google Analytics. And it started almost five years ago. And I was installing Google Analytics for customers of me. I was freelancer at the time. And yeah, I, I needed to install the Google Analytics script for them because I was building websites. I was a front-end developer or full stack. And it didn't really feel right to, to add that little script every time because... I knew it was sending all the data to Google Analytics and to Google Google's ad networks. I was like, yeah, it doesn't feel right. So I said something about it to my girlfriend and she said like, yeah, you always build your own stuff. So why don't you build something for this? 
And I was like, well, that's actually a really good idea. Then I started building a very simple version, hence the name Simple Analytics. And the simple version was just the page views showing on a, on a chart. I think it was showing the pages, the referrals, but not much more. So it was very limited view of a dashboard. And then I launched it and it got on Hacker News on the first uh, spot for nine hours on the front page. And even like uh, it, it stayed on the front page for a whole day. And that really gave me so much, so much traffic and also my first customers. And then I realized like, oh, this is really a product that people really want. And it was also, yeah, the timing was right, right? Because the, the GDPR came to in, in effect and more privacy regulations and more strict rules. So yeah, I was just lucky to yeah, launch it at that time. And uh, since then, since then we grew the product into full dashboard with a lot of features. You can set up goals, you can see conversions, you can see much more, you can download all the data into different systems or, or data lakes if you're really advanced with a huge privacy angle. So we don't place cookies and it's still a simple, understandable dashboard instead of yeah, 500 pages of Google Analytics where you get lost, need to have like a course to, <laughs> to really understand the dashboard or to know how to use it. And especially now with Google Analytics 4, a lot of people hate it because they need to recode a lot of integrations. So there's a lot of people saying like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. And then, uh, and some of them go to simple analytics. So that's a good moment uh, for us, for sure. Okay, let's dive into the MVP then for a minute. You mentioned it, that, that first version of the product you built. How long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? I used a lot of tools that I already knew. Because like in the previous products that I tried to launch, I always tried to learn something new along the way. And it always got me stuck at some point. So this time I was like, okay, I'm going to really finish this product and I'm going to launch it. So I only used the, the things I knew and there was no GS, Postgres, maybe a bit of UGS, but I don't think that was even in, in place. So I think I was using handlebars or something like that. For charts, I used chart.js. Still use that because it's, uh, yeah, it's a great library. That was one of the reasons why it actually succeeded because the tools that I already knew didn't limit me in, in everything I wanted to build. So eventually the product or the MVP, I think it was done in three months. Yeah, I worked three months on it. And at the end of the three months, I was like, okay, we're gonna launch it. And then, and then I launched it on Product Hunt and, and Hacker News. With any MVP, you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs, and you're alluding to some of those in like using technology that you knew, right? Tell me about some more of those when you were building that first version of the product. Maybe it's around, you know, technical debt, approach, or feature limitation, or or anything like that. And specifically, how you coped with those decisions. When you're small, or when you're just launching, you don't have like any any issues with like a lot of data, for example. Like if you would launch our product as it is now, it would you wouldn't be able to, uh, yeah, you wouldn't be able to build it in three months. Only the data structure, because it's so much traffic, so so much data is coming in. But when you start, there's not much data because you don't have that many customers. So the yeah, the beautiful thing is that you can just build a product with with a very limited feature set, but also with a very limited database behind it and stuff like that. So Postgres worked fine, but it had some limitations. You couldn't search fast on, on all the on the pages, for example, or, or stuff like that. So I just didn't offer it. And another thing like visitors, 
we didn't have unique page views at, at the time, which we call visitors, because we don't track people. So we don't know if someone comes back to your website the next day. For us, it's a new visitor and stuff like that. Like we didn't offer any any of those. And people were, yeah, okay with like, okay, we can only see, see page views. And that's okay for them. And not everybody is maybe happy with it, but, but the first people were happy with it. And, uh, and I think those trade-offs are super important. Like, don't build everything you really want to have in the product. But the limited feature set is probably good for some of the people that will be a potential buyer. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. Let's proceed forward then. So you've got your MVP. It's working. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? And I think what I'm curious about is how you built your roadmap and how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Simple Analytics. What we always did was being very transparent. So we are transparent about our own metrics, but also with the roadmap. So I created a repository for GitHub issues, and then people could actually file new features and, and stuff like that. So I built a page on slash roadmap and people could actually vote on, on features on the roadmap. So at a certain point, uh, the features that people really wanted were flowing on top or floating on top. And then, and then you can easily pick the features that you want. And sometimes it's a feature where you think like, ah, maybe it doesn't really fit with the product, so I will not build it. And some features you think like, oh yeah, I didn't know that was a requirement or that was something that people really wanted. And then you're, you know that that has a higher priority than the other ones. 
So that was one of the reasons or one of the ways to know what to build next. And also I had myself I had quite a clear view on what I think was important for the product as well. And there's also a few logical things like uh, like team features, for example, people really wanted that or session tracking, stuff like that. With session tra- tracking, for example, it's, an, it's a funny one because we didn't want to place any cookies. So it's very hard to have a session. Um, and some competitors do it with like a hash version of the IP address. But for us, it's still tracking a user. And, and we think that the GDPR thinks the same way. So then you need to find out a different way to offer a feature like that. So, yeah, you need to be yeah, quite creative to get it to a product that's actually still something that people want and still something that ethically is okay with, yeah, with me as the founder. Okay, let's switch to team then. So how did you build your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? Yeah, the first moment I needed a developer because I I was working on the features and, and I felt like, okay, we need to work harder on the features. So the first thing I hired was a developer. I put out a tweet in the first few months that the business started and I got already like 150 applicants through the tweet so I all DM them back like okay this is the form and this is a few questions please answer them and then I can filter on them one of the questions was what do you think is more important pushing this feature out or making it code wise optimized and that's quite a good question for a lot of developers I'm not looking for a developer that has the best way of writing its code. I want to have a developer that is fast with building a feature. And that's usually not a mindset of the average developer, right? So yeah, that was one, one of the ways to yeah, filter between all the applicants. So then I had my first technical freelancer. Now a year before, I started uh, talking with someone uh, from a marketing background. And this person uh, yeah, was really excited, like, oh, you have a really great product and I'm working on a product as well, he said. But that kind of had a limitation because it was only uh, limited to the Netherlands. And he was like, maybe we could work together. So it was not really looking for each other or something, but we just found each other and then we realized like, hey, maybe we should be partners. And now we're partners and we're going way faster. And we also hired a content writer and we do a lot of work with freelancers as well. When the money allows, we hire hire more people, but also still keep in mind, is it really necessary to hire those people? Because we also yeah, want to make a profit from the business. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vassell edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to terso.tech codestory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it 
with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud cost, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. Let's flip to scalability then. This will be interesting given the, the problem you're solving here. Was, was this built to scale efficiently from day one or are you fighting this as you grow in any sort of capacity? We definitely didn't build it with, with scaling in mind because then I would have to learn something new and then I wouldn't have my MVP ready on time and I probably would never have launched it. So I'm very glad that I didn't think of the future that much. I just thought, like, will this product sell in the, in the current form? So then the next question was, okay, now we're getting way more customers. How are we going to handle all, that, all this data? First thing that came to mind was using Elasticsearch. I didn't know much about Elasticsearch. I never worked with it. But on my digital nomad travels, I, uh, I met a few people. And one of them said, like, uh, yeah, I have experience with uh, Elasticsearch. So if you need some freelance work or something, then uh, I, can, I can be your guy. And that was the first iteration after Postgres. And then we could build, like, a lot of extra features, like search on pages, but also better, better aggregations and way faster, and also getting the data out of the system in a fast way. So it, so it yeah, improved a lot in, in performance and in features. And I'm very happy that we did it this late in, in the process, actually. Because otherwise, yeah, like I said, we, we probably wouldn't have finished the first, uh, first product. Okay, so as you step out on the balcony, you look across all that you've built. What are you most proud of? Yeah, what I really like is the, the, the original features that we have. And it's, it's kind of fun. The first time when I saw people copying our features, I was like, bit frustrated like why do you do that and but now in hindsight i think like oh it's actually quite positive so all the people think it's really good that they even need to copy it in their products so one of the things that i was proud of was bypass ad blockers because ad blockers would block all our requests which is okay that's that's their choice but as a privacy solution we wanted to like okay we are not an ad network we're actually not collecting personal data it would help these kind of businesses a lot if you would not block us, but that was not a negotiable. So then we, we thought, okay, we need to find a, a different way. And that was with C names. So then in the DNS, you could, as a customer, set up a C name. They link them to our servers and we send them the request through their C name. So then for ad blockers, it doesn't look like traffic from a different ad blocker, but it looks like it's traffic from that website actually. Yeah, we were one of the first people doing that. And now it's like, yeah, integrated in a lot of other businesses as well. Or we have, for example, a tweet viewer. So in Google Analytics, you have t.co URLs, and it doesn't say anything about where it's coming from. And we built something smart that would convert those URLs into actual tweets. So you would see the tweets that people are sending about your product and sending data sending visitors to your website. And uh, yeah, those features give me the most energy, I would say. Okay, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. 
when we just started. We were launching on Hacker News and we got so much traffic and we really asked for a credit card before people could use our product. In hindsight, this was a mistake. Like there's, there were so many people interested in our product and we only had accounts for the people that entered their credit card. I think it would be way better to have like a list of email addresses from all the people that were interested so we could actually convert them into paying later. And also the same, the same is for freemium model. We never did any freemium, only for, I think it was 12 minutes during launch. And then I chickened out and I was like, okay, no, too many free signups. I want to have like real customers <laughs> and, and then closed the, the freemium again. But in hindsight, I would say like the freemium model is probably the best model to, to get people using your product and to get advocates sharing about your product. Because that's something that we will still integrate, but it would have been way better when uh, when we did that before. And there's one one other thing that I, I really did wrong marketing-wise, because I was talking with some journalists from the from Fast Company, and she didn't know much about products like mine. So she asked, like, "Oh, very cool. What other competitors do you have?" And I shared two other competitors that were not super known, but was nice for her article. And then in her article, those two competitors were listed first, and then I was listed somewhere at the bottom. So yeah, in hindsight, never name your competitors if the interviewer doesn't know about them. (laughs) So what does the future look like for Simple Analytics, the product, and for your team? The future for Simple Analytics is super bright (laughs) because Google Analytics is is doing quite a lot of things to help us grow. And we're building like a lot of cool features as in um, we want to build an alert system where we are building features for agencies to make our product uh, nicer for them shareability of dashboards and and stuff like that Um, so that's something i'm really excited about and i'm also very excited about the team as in how we are making a lot of more ways in, in trying to find better developers around us and better people to write our content because we yeah we really see a lot of value in finding the right people and we found like quite a lot of good people and a few not so good people and it's super exciting to work with the people that yeah that really work well with the with the team and with our product so i'm really excited about like what what else we can do also marketing wise but also product wise and at some point i would yeah i would set up this team to also build something like a product studio and Internally, we already have talks about it to build maybe other products because we have a great team. So why not use it also for new products and try out more MVPs because building new stuff or thinking about new products that, that excites us the most. So yeah, that would, be, that would be our dream. Let's switch to you, Adrian. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. I don't really have that many role models that I that I really think about right now but what inspired me was a lot of people that were transparent about what they did or building in public for example where you inspire others but also yeah you can really learn from other people I'm scrolling to Twitter quite quite a bit and I think you learn a lot from that as well also it takes a lot of time so I should do shouldn't do it that much but it really helps you yeah filtering on what other people are building and, and yeah, getting you excited for that. 
in the Netherlands, I don't think there's a big scene of, of entrepreneurs or founders. So most people that really helped me in the beginning were the indie hackers. So the indie hacker community, the, the people that are building little, little products or MVPs and trying to make a profit with it. Those people really excited me. And also those groups where you talk with other people, it's really nice to be able to get some accountability. Because if you share to other people like, hey, I'm going to launch launch next week, then uh, then you really need to do it. And if you're not having those conversations, you can easily say, okay, I will do it in two weeks or even never. So it's nice for accountability. And I think, yeah, those groups helped me a lot, especially in the beginning. So we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? I think I would take a different approach in hiring marketing people earlier on. Because as a tech founder, it's really easy to see what needs to be done feature-wise or or performance-wise or stuff like that. Or you want to, I don't know, upgrade your stack or stuff like that. The most important thing is selling your product. And as a technical founder, it's it's a bit difficult to sell to sell your product because your biggest uh, love is with tech. So and not so much with with marketing, or at least that's that's for me. So finding someone that does the marketing and and really knows what they are doing, I think that would have been way better early early on. If I would change something, I would definitely try to find or a marketing co-founder or hire great marketers and try to sell the product from the from the start because all the features is super nice product improvements are also super nice but it's way better if you can actually sell the product and yeah that's that's more important than than any new feature so last question you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing they're jazzed about it. They can't we shoot off the world. Can't we shoot off to you right there on the plane? What advice do you give that person, having gone down this road a bit? I think I would advise them to really listen to multiple people giving advice, but be really careful on what advice to follow. Because on the road, you get so many people that think they know what they're talking about. But if you really, really dig deeper... It's not really based on on their own experience, but something maybe they read or something they believe. And I don't think that's uh, that's the best advice you can get. So try to get advice from people that have actually something done in the past where you can learn from. And usually that, that helps a lot to make sure you're friends with people that are, I don't know, longer in the business like yourself or have more experience or have a bigger team or something like that. So try to yeah, surround you with people that are further down the path. That's great advice. Well, Adrian, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Simple Analytics. Thank you. It was really fun. Thank you. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. 
you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.